Welcome everybody to 2, 5, and 10. I am your host, well, one of your hosts. Uh, I'm KC, accompanied weekly by my uh, co-star and co-host, Ben Stewart. Ben, g- give him a shout. Hashtag NYR. Yeah, hashtag NYR. Um, so the whole thing with us, we are uh, 2, 5, and 10. If you don't know what that means, you probably shouldn't listen. Uh, <laughs> basically, where the NHL is going now, two for instigating five for fight and 10 minute misconduct i mean best way to get your penalty minutes up anyways give you a give you a round for your money quick 17 off the top um yeah i mean as for us uh we started a blog back in college not a very good one i think we each only wrote like two things and uh now it kind of brought us here where i can ramble for hours whether that's good or bad um but i figured we'll this is, yeah we'll definitely find out but uh probably definitely a quicker way for at least me to get out all the verbal diarrhea and hit every topic in hockey that we want to go over um i don't know what else you got benny anything else that i missed well i mean the blog you definitely only wrote a couple posts each and then i took off and did my chapelle and ran away to africa and then you decided to start raising some kids so i think we got a little bit sidetracked the last couple of years but podcasts should be a lot easier and a lot more digestible for everybody uh, that ends up listening, so give it a shot. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, people that don't know the background story, I am like a grandpa. I have two little ones that like beat the crap out of me. I had to take a nap before we started this. Um, it doesn't help that Ben's on the West Coast by any means because now I have to stay up even later. Uh, actually, Redder's working tomorrow, so I'll be up at 7 with my uh, two little cherubs. I'm sure Cam will be up at before that because he just loves being up early. It'll be about 6 o'clock, and he'll come in. He'll be like, hey, Dada, are we awake? And you're like, go to bed. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> but, uh, no, it'll be fun. This is going to be a good time. I've been uh, waiting a long time to do something like this. I mean, I got a face for radio anyway, so it kind of fits perfect. But um, I guess we're going to fire around a little quick nhl summer summary just a you know regular season starting next week a couple of things been happening in the preseason let's start with uh benny what'd you think of that max domi punch last week uh well like father like son right uh, i learned from the best on how to be a complete piece of garbage on the ice um especially with ekblad having an injury history that everybody in the league knows about everybody knows the concussion issues everybody knows same thing with Crosby, and to just come up from behind and start to punch him a couple of times because he wouldn't drop the gloves if you were a midget ass. Uh, just keep skating. It's preseason, dude. Like, you're on a team. You're not in Arizona anymore. You're in a big boys league with Montreal. Just keep skating. Like, I thought it was crazy because they were talking about it after. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I've played with Eki a couple of times, blah, blah, blah. It's like, so at least have a conversation with him. It looked like you were just ready to jump him from the get-go. And the poor guy can't even get his gloves off, and he's eating one. Did you see the uh, the picture on Instagram that he posted after the two nice bruises on it? So I think yeah, he broke his I nose. Oh. Well, it's one like you said, having a conversation, but two, the suspension that he got the rest of the preseason. What, it, like I was gonna say, what do suspension? That's a gift. He doesn't want to play it anyways. Yeah, like B B league stars for like four more games and can just get paid anyway. 
Oh, like, yeah. Not a very big deterrent at all. Yeah, not to mention, too, it's like preseason hockey where you fly the same day and everything else. Like, legitimately, he would have taken his nap in Montreal, jumped on a plane, played a preseason game in Boston, and back that night, he's like, yeah, no, I'm just going to stay at the condo. Don't even worry about me. I'm good. See, now, th- do you think this would have happened if uh, Sheriff Sean Thornton was still on the team? Ooh. If Shawnee was still playing, I don't think. All right. They were already talking about retribution, like, you know, you, you got it circled on the calendar next time you play. But, I mean, can Domi take that fight in the sense of, like, Thornton's a heavyweight. Obviously, we've seen Domi throw a couple, like that one punch last year at Kessler. Like, he can definitely chuck him. But um, I don't know, dude. Like, I don't know what happens because Montreal doesn't have any tough guys anyways. So someone's going to get it. I mean, he's going to have to drop the gloves. He can't pick and choose. Like, once you pull a stunt like that, you just got to answer the bell. I mean, Cook did it. Cook, I feel like, is just in the same weight class as Domain. He dropped the gloves with Thorne in Boston that time after the Savard hit. So, yeah, you just got to answer the bell. I don't know who on Florida would be able to do it for him. Thornton's gone. I think McKenzie's gone, too. Um, but... Sure, bring Thornton out of retirement for a one-game contract. <laughs> uh, I'm sure Thornton would take that money. But uh, on the other end, though, too, Cookie was just the biggest piece of garbage in the league. Like, anytime time, like, blindside hits out, oh, did you really think I meant to hit you? Yes, I do, Cookie. Like, you, you came cross-ice with your elbow face high. Like, oh, it's just ironic. Oh. I think it was like seven times. Oh, such a piece the of thing, shit. That was the thing. Everybody tried to equate. And my red, white, and blue is going to start pouring out here a little bit. But everybody tried to equate Avery to guys like Cook and Steve Ott. But Avery always, he never cheap shot at anybody. And he always answered the bell. He would always drop the gloves and back it up. Cook would run from it. Domi sucker punching. Ott would run from it. So at least Avery, in that sense, would always answer the call when somebody challenged him to it. Oh, no, yeah, like Avery would run run around, definitely. But, yeah, he always answered the bell. And that was one thing that whether, you know, hate him or not, people couldn't say anything bad about because he was there. All you got to, hey, ask the question. You want to do it? Let's do it. Like, Yeah. Now, first game, Montreal, Florida. First, I mean, Montreal is going to be terrible this year anyway, but that's one game I'm going to watch just to see if Domi answered. His dad's going to tell him, like, you're going to have to just drop the gloves. Like, you can't keep it going. Your teammates are going to start hating it because then they're going to get sucker punched and cheap shotted. So you just got to first ship, take care of it, be over with it. Yeah, I like that. Drop the buckets right off the get-go, get it over with, sit your five, and let, let's play some puck. Yeah. Um. All right, I guess the biggest thing of the offseason so far, JT leaving the Islanders, going to Toronto. Uh, what do you think? I never thought he would actually leave because you never see stars like him, first of all, hit free agency. The Islanders completely messed that up, giving him the benefit of the doubt, doing anything they could, whatever he wanted to hopefully keep him with no guarantee. They would they fired Snow, they fired Wait, they fired Capuano, they made all these trades, all these promises saying, well, hopefully this will make him stay, and he still left anyway. Um, but I never actually thought he would leave. Uh, I was surprised he went to Toronto just because of the whole cap situation. Um, I actually thought he would end up probably in San Jose, uh, on the West coast here, but I never actually thought he would leave. 
Yeah, I mean, he definitely earned. I mean, when you get to that point where you can test unrestricted free agency, the odds of you going back to that team are probably not going to happen. It, like, oh, Stamp did it, right? Did he actually get to the market, though, or was that like right before where he ended up signing? Because I swear, I thought it was like right before free agency, like real close that he just ended up saying, no, I'm going to stay. And he definitely didn't get full market value either. Like he was close, but at the same time, what they say, tax-free Florida, you know, definitely a different turnaround because they wanted him to go to Toronto too, right? Yeah, they were – the Rangers in Toronto were like, he's going to hit free agency, we're going to give him whatever he wants. And I think it was a couple of days before or the first day of free agency when he re-signed with Tampa because uh, he was able to talk with a few teams like a legal tampering period. And he was just like, yeah, I'm just going to stay in Tampa. Situation is good. And it worked out for him. But yeah, I mean, the Islanders, I don't know what is going on with them. Leave Nassau to play in Brooklyn, get to Brooklyn. The Nets don't want him there. Now they're trying to build a stadium in Queens. Uh, shout out to Flushing. Um, but they, I feel like they wasted their time with JT. They would surround him with like these mediocre guys and just go, all right, Tavares, make these guys better, and let's hope we have enough goaltending to get into the playoffs. But Alice Hemsky, like Jordan Eberle, they never got the second superstar or the legitimate goaltender to give him a chance. Now he's gone and they have... Nothing. Yeah, uh, Barzell. That's it. I'll talk about Barzell after, but yeah. um, <laughs> no, like in a good way. But I just don't know why the kid would stay at this point. Like, there is nothing there. Legitimately, these guys all live on the island because that's where the practice ring is, and then they take the train into Brooklyn for game days. So it's basically you have eighty-two road games. There, there's nothing yeah. like you go you stay in the hotel granted some guys might like that you know there's no distractions you don't have to worry about running home the kids are running around you're able to take a nap so that might work it doesn't for them so i mean yeah. i don't know but um dude i'm taking As this jt thing and had to take the li double r into the city all the time they are not enjoying the fact that they have to do that for 41 home games i'm telling you <laughs> well i mean uh, uh, you're you're a new york guy i mean is it is it is it kind of like LA? Like, are you a second class citizen being a hockey player in New York, or like, are you on the railroad getting recognized? What do you think? Um, I feel like if you're on a train going to Barclays the night of an Islanders game, you're probably going to be recognized. But Lundqvist even said this, where he loves playing in New York because he gets recognized by the like hardcore hockey fans, whether they're Ranger fans or not. But he's not recognizable enough where his life. He needs to like shield his life as he's living in a city, which is what a lot of the guys enjoy. Hanky, for the record, handsome, handsome prick. <laughs> Apparently, one of the biggest hogs in the league, too. Yeah, I heard that. I mean, <laughs> those handsome guys get it all. Jesus Christ. Um, but, dude, the JT thing, I'm looking at it the other way. So they get Lamarillo to come there. And, I mean, everybody in the league talks. And Lou with his rules and young guys can't have high numbers, the way you have to have your clear tape on pads. Do you think he was like, dude, I've already been through the ringer here and there is no (laughs) fucking way I'm going to do it with you and your rules. Like, I'm out. I feel like he would have put up with it 
if the situation was the playing situation was better, like the roster plus plus the arena. But to deal with all that and then finally get there and then have Lou in your face bitching about something or like sending one of his lieutenants like his his boy down. Hey, JT, listen, you need to like trim up your hair a little bit. You need to adjust your equipment. I wouldn't sign for eight years with that. Like, once they hired Lou, I was like, that was a bad miscalculation. They probably thought, oh, we're going to bring this guy, has multiple Stanley Cups, name recognition, finally some stability to the organization, and it backfired. Like, if I was JT, I would have bounced as soon as I heard that. I mean, do you feel bad on the other end? Because I'm going with Lou's kid, Chris, here. Like, everywhere... Lou's gone. Chris has kind of tagged along, but this seemed to be like the first gig Chris kind of got on his own, was doing it. Here comes Daddy Dearest and yep. just blows everybody out of there. Like, hey, Goth, we're really good friends, but I'm the GM now, XOXO. And then it's like, <laughs> you know, when JT was living in uh, Dougie Waite's basement when he was a rookie, and then you gassed Dougie as the coach, um, there could be a little tension there, you know? I don't know. Just, just. Just a guess. Now, do you think Toronto is a legit Stanley Cup contender now? Well, I want to touch on that in the sense of, on paper, I think they have a really good chance. The D is a little questionable, but, I mean, it could just be one of those things where they just got a high-powered, high Jesus Christ, high-powered offense, <laughs> and it could take them. But, um. The question I have for you, because I was thinking about it myself, was this team's together for a couple of years now. I mean, they're going to lock up Matthews long-term. There's no question. I guess the only tough one right now would be the whole Nylander thing as to how long, yeah. they're like if they can get them all together on paper and so on and so forth. But my question for you is how long do you think Babcock's leash is in the sense of we gave you this team you might be the best coach in the league, but if you can't bring home a Stanley Cup with this team at some point, I mean, is it going to be the team they blow up or Babcock? Oof. I mean, he's also the highest paid coach in the league. Um, I think you got to be just to afford Toronto. <laughs> to be honest, I think they're the third best team in the division. Like, I still think they're behind Boston. I still think they're behind Tampa. I don't think... This year would be the year where it's cup or bust, and if they don't win it all, Babcock might be let go, or they might make some moves. They, like you said, the defense, like Jake Gardner's their number one, not good enough. Uh, Anderson's solid enough in goal, so I think next year, I think they have a two-year window because of the cap situation. Like you said, they're going to have to lock up Neatlander, they're going to have to lock up Matthews, Mitch Marner. Uh, Gardner's a free agent, I think, after the season two. And with the Tavares contract, it kind of squeezes them into adding like an actual first-paid defenseman. So I think they have like a two-year window before the like supporting cast and the role players start like trickling out, which is what happened to the Rangers with Hagelin, Broussard, all those guys. So I think if they don't win a cup, or at least make it to the Stanley Cup, by the end of next season, there might be changes in terms of uh, Babcock maybe moving up to the front office and then they hire one of his assistants or a guy that he recommends. But I, th- I think it's a two-year window, so we'll see what happens. But I can't – do you think they would actually fire Babcock or would they just like reass- reassign him somewhere in the organization? 
I just don't see him taking a backseat to anybody. He he just seems like a guy to me that has to be, needs to be in the driver's seat, kind of. It's my way or bust. I just don't see him going somewhere and then listening to anybody else, you know, especially after being a head coach for so long. And then the other thing, too, he's in the hockey hub up there. And it's like, okay, well, now we're up in Canada. And any time they go to the Olympics or anything, he is the coach. Yeah. So I don't know. And then looking at their roster, I got one other question for you. Do you think Kadri's worth that money, four or five a year? Like, I feel like he's a good player. He definitely puts pucks in the net. But there's, like, sometimes where, like, he's just a loose cannon out there. And granted, I might be biased. Um, When we were in Worcester, we had Tommy Wingles on the team. (laughs) The way he, like, smashed his pelvis right into Tommy's face trying to, like, take him out in, in the playoffs. Like, I understand it's the playoffs. It's a different beast. But it's like, what a piece of shit to legitimately jump into his face to take him out Oh well, you know, in in the regular season, I think that's a game. You know, it's like, dude, are you shitting me? Like, you legitimately just yeah. launched and, and tried killing him. Like, you're a dick. See ya. This, I mean, I don't think he's worth it. But you have guys like Brassard, Hayes making over five million a year. I think it's just the market at this point. Like JT Miller signed for, I think five and a quarter million in a year, or like high fours. Um, I mean, Kadri, he's, I think he's following in the right role for the team. He's not the face of the franchise. He's not the top, uh, line forward. So he's kind of settled into the secondary spot. So I think he'll be successful in that. But if he hit free agency now, I think he would struggle to get the four and a half. He'd probably get like around four. So he's not too overpaid, but I don't know. I just... I think he's one of the first guys to go if they need to trade for a top pair of defenseman this year after making an actual run for it against the Bruins and the Lightning. And they're like, we're in a spot where we can win a division. We need a defenseman. Kaji's one of the guys that they can probably move and move up Kapit into like a top six role. Yeah, I agree with that. You can definitely get rid of him. I mean, someone will definitely take him. And like you said, I mean, he's putting away at least 25 a year and at four or five it almost seems like team friendly and with the money they're gonna have to pay a couple of guys that might be the guy to go and in a sense of like i know you talked about poor uh lamorello jr here but where did the islanders go do you think you said you're gonna touch on touch on barzell yeah so barzell so last year was his uh rookie got the call there so he has this year, and then next year would be the last year of his entry slide. Dude, if nothing is going at that point. He's gone. Oh, yeah, there's there's nothing to keep him there. And not to mention, too, the kid on his edges is phenomenal. Like, you see him, like, <laughs> can, can, like, stick handle in a phone booth. He's in, he's out, and I'm, like, watching this kid, like, wow, like, what a player. I think Lou is too smart to let, another talent like that disappear but at the same time i just don't see what keeps the kid there i mean what do you do do you bust and go for the number one overall pick and say hey well we got another young kid next to you you know (laughs) we're just gonna have a a line of young guys but i mean even though his contract's up he would have to sign an offer sheet right he's still restricted after next season yeah he would still be restricted but i mean even if he's just one of those guys like hey i'll do the one year you know, yeah. give me one, and then I and then I want to test it. 
I mean, so what? Islanders fans hate you. That's like a, <laughs> a a very small piece of the world. You'll be all right, kid. Well, if that's the case, Lou has to trade him. He'll have to sign him to like that one-year deal and then look for the market or hopefully tell him, You'll be able to. We'll be able to get more in return for you if you sign a longer-term extension. But we'll definitely move you to a different organization, and hopefully that means they get a better return. But back-to-back off seasons, you lose JT, and then you lose Matt. If you're the Islanders and that happens, you have no future for like the next decade. You're back to uh, Gordon's fisherman status, and even now, what a, now what with a him, jersey! Yeah, <laughs> we'll get to the Whalers jersey, but. Still hard, uh, still hard over that Whalers jersey. <laughs> Even if they keep Matt long term, they're not bad enough to be a lottery pick, like top three pick, but they're not good enough to be a contender. Like they're in that no man's land of possibly competing for the eighth spot, getting knocked out in the first round, and never being able to like draft top talents just around them with. So they're always going to be in like that middle ground, which. It's the worst place you can be. Either you got to commit. Either you're going to go for it all or you're going to suck. You can't stay for three, four seasons just in the middle. Yeah, depression. <laughs> um, I guess we'll go to the next biggest thing of the offseason. Eric Carlson and I don't even know what to call Ottawa up north, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, people hate our uh, nation's I... capital because of the president, but I mean the capital up there and the team that you currently have around it like listen dude you're in canada and you can't even sell what was it like 2500 season tickets yeah they actually i think their retention rate was like 11 percent. And the, <laughs> all right like you have the best defenseman in the league by far yep and the return you got was pennies on the dollar like shame on you return. Like, dude, Dougie Wilson is, like, laughing all the way to the bank right now. He's like, so I gave up my fifth D-man, a third-line wing. Bio was on waivers in the earlier in the offseason, and nobody claimed him, and then he's part of the package for Carlson. What are the odds? Like, hey, <laughs> we'll take anybody. We got to make it look good. Um, It is just crazy up there right now. Like, the Melnick interview, dude, you're an owner of an NHL team doesn't even know adidas has the dale now and he's wearing a reebok polo like what are you doing that was two years ago well it was weird because first of all melnick is just like a weird dude but to have that interview and have like your seventh defenseman interview you like he's the face of the franchise like that's who you're selling to your fan base like come on we got chris boriecki out here you got to come out Hey, like, but, but he would be <laughs> looks like a hockey player. Would probably be great for this podcast for two, five, and ten. No front teeth. He's probably the poster boy. Well, we got to get biz nasty, right? Oh, biz well, is too tied up in chicklets. You know, he'll see us as a quote unquote <laughs> competitor, even though it's just us two, the two jamokes trying to talk for ten minutes. He's gonna be like, "Yeah, no guy, N- no way, can't do it." Right. Yeah, I mean, and then the whole thing that happened with uh, Zach Smith a couple of days ago with the they placed him on waivers, and then he went unclaimed, and they sent him to the A, and then they recalled him after the coach said that he was going to be in the A to start the year, and then he's now installed on a first line for the season opener. So even the GM wasn't even talking to the head coach. He put him on waivers after he said he would be on the team. They call him back up. Now he's on the first line, and 
Smith is sitting there like, I need to get the hell out of here. Like, no one knows what they're doing. Oh, dude. And then right after that happened when Duchesne's like, that's a kick in the balls. Like, legitimately, he does not want to stay in Ottawa either. He's like, if you could just trade me now, that would be phenomenal. Like, just get me the fuck out of here. Yeah, but that turnaround, they made the trade for Duchesne thinking we went to game seven of the conference finals. We have Carlson. Let's let's make one, one more run at it. And then three months later, they're rebuilding like because they bottomed out. This could be like the worst on and off switch of all time in the NHL. Like legitimately, like you said, conference finals and then begging for a lottery pick. Like trade away the and best defenseman in the league. First rounder. For Duchesne. So now Colorado has their first round pick in the upcoming draft, which is probably going to be first overall. I know. Uh, what are the odds of that, too? Like the one time you have a first that it's gone? Like it could be the lottery <laughs> pick and it's gone. Like legitimately. Last, oh, my God. Last time I had Alexander Diggs, I think they're probably better off not picking it. <laughs> <laughs> what a bust. <laughs> but, yeah, the return, the odd thing is, so at the trade deadline, Everybody was saying that Carlson was going to Vegas. Vegas is going to make the big move. And Elliot Friedman, uh, I pulled up his tweet from the deadline. Vegas offered two first-round picks and a choice of one of their top prospects. And Ottawa turned it down. And then they traded him to San Jose for Chris Tierney, the fifth or sixth defenseman, and like a couple picks. Like not even like high-value picks. It's a joke. I mean, you when you have an asset like Carlson, you have to cash in with the best offer. So, I mean, I wonder if at some point, like even in the off season, like do you? I'd call Vegas. Hey, you know, is the offer still on the table? And then I don't know if there's like you know beef there with Dorian and uh, McPhee, but it, it's one of those things of your job as an NHL GM is to get the best on whatever it is that you do. And I just couldn't believe I'm like, this dude still has a job after that? Like, holy well, you know, shit. He's really pumped because, you know, he's looking forward to the upcoming season because we're a team. Oh, oh my <laughs> God, that interview too? Like, yeah. legitimately, like, uh, what do you think of the team this year? Uh, we're a team. Like, dude, here you go. Here's the we pink exist. stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, all right, you're a player, right? You walk into the locker room. You know what the roster looks like. You know how everything else is going. What do you guys... At some point, someone must put up a thing like... Well, you actually, you can't even put it up because you don't even have the first round pick to get, like, to bust uh, for the draft. There's like, no There's nothing. Like, oh. What would you do? So let's say you're on the Senators right now. Carlson got traded for nothing. You don't have a first round pick. The whole thing with Smith happened. For, so, the, like, the timeline of stuff that happened in Ottawa... You started with the whole Carlson's wife and Zach Smith's wife. Not Zach Smith. What was it? Uh, oh, yeah, Hoffman. Zach Smith, right? Hoffman. Hoffman. Yeah, Hoffman's wife. And then you have the report came out that the front office and the owner, Melnick and Dorian, didn't talk to Carlson for over a year. Like, never talked to him for a year. You had a chance to trade him to the deadline. You don't. Then you trade Hoffman to San Jose because you didn't want to trade him to the, in the division. And then San Jose turns around and trades him to the Panthers in your division. And you get hosed on that. You get hosed when you finally deal Carlson. And then after that, your owner and GM look completely clueless. And now you have the whole Zach Smith waivers going to the A. Now he's on the first line. You're on the Senators. What are you doing right now? 
Well, the best part about that, too, is so you traded him to San Jose because you didn't want him in the division, and then they trade him in the division, and then you still go work with San Jose. Like, you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> like, absolute meatball. Um, Can you imagine if San Jose went around and then traded Carlson to, like, the Lightning or something? <laughs> oh, yeah. Here, here you go. XOXO, sign, sale, delivered. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know, dude. Like, if I'm in that locker room, I don't know what kind of team bonding or chemistry or whatever you have going. It's it, it definitely somber. There's nothing to look forward to, at least before you had, you know, that big handsome Swede in the corner there. Now it's like, all right, boys, let's try not to, uh, yeah, give them hell. 60 <laughs> minutes, boys. <laughs> Here's what I did. If I'm on the Senators right now, if I'm like Duchesne or Smith or even Mark Stone, I'm giving you 20 to 25 games of my top production. I am going out there and I am busting my ass because I want to be traded at my highest value. I want the most teams interested because that means I'm more likely to get dealt. So you got a quarter of the season of me producing. Move me. Because if you don't move me after that, I'm going to just hurt myself in practice and then sit in the press <laughs> box the rest of the year. Because well, I'm coming off a free agency. I am not getting screwed out of money for you guys. Dude, it doesn't matter anyways, because, I mean, you'll be dealt at the deadline for a bag of pucks. So like, <laughs> oh, oh wait a minute. Just sign that contract and then sit in a press box for three years. <laughs> God, God bless. Um, all so, right. San Jose, are they, they, they going to overtake Vegas? Are they top team in the West right now? What do you think? I was thinking about that. I mean, my top three in the West would probably have to be in no particular order, just throwing them out there, probably have to be San Jose, Winnipeg, and Nashville, uh, I think. Yeah. I mean, now San Jose has, talk about a 1-2 on D, huh? Or, I mean, just the power play in general. Like, it, talk about yeah. your PP1 and PP2. Like, <laughs> like you, you do not want to get a penalty called because, I mean, whether it's they split Burnsy and uh, Carlson up, I mean, one of them is rushing the puck up at you at some point, so... Good luck. You can't forget on the third pair, right side, our boy Justin Braun. Brawny's still the man in my book. Um, <laughs> but big up to Brawny. I mean, he he went through the ringer down in Worcester, and um, he came out and I mean, legitimate player. He he's been there ever since he left Worcester, which is awesome for him. And another thing for just Roy and Cunny, like development wise, I still think those two are the best. Um, unfortunate they're in two different places right now. But, I mean, together and being in the room with them, too, and learning off of what they did. And, I mean, some of the stuff was just unspoken. Like, they would just yeah. go and do their thing. Like, just great chemistry. They worked well together. And, um, yeah, the people that they've developed in the past, too. I mean, fucking laundry list of people. Like, they and, get and the job done. And a lot of more free agents. So, like, just the fact that they made it to the league. And you have guys like Wingles who – Carving out a pretty solid career as a bottom six guy. Yeah, Braun, you have uh, Desjardins that carved out a pretty good career as a bottom six guy. Yeah, Des like got a said, cop. Yeah, exactly. Like, development of those guys, I think, tells more about the player development system than a first-round pick making it, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, when you're a first-round pick, they're, they're obviously going to roll out the red carpet for you anyways, whether it's you're instantly the NHL or if you go back to college or you're in junior, whatever it is. I mean, usually when a first-round pick goes to the AHL, it's usually for a kick in the ass or it's an end-of-a-season thing and you can still yeah. send them back to junior or whatever the next year. 
But I mean, yeah, for these first round picks, you can go up and usually play. But yeah, like you said, I mean, all those bottom tier guys that they turned like Douglas Murray. Talk about a career yeah. that the guy made just smoking people and being able to crank <laughs> pucks. Like, I just remember everything, you know, the power play. Cunny would be out there. Pound pucks, PP, that's what it stands <laughs> for. Pound pucks. Like, Cunny's the man. Now, in terms of Carlson and San Jose, if you're him, do you sign long term after this year or do you move on somewhere else? Because San Jose is good, but. Thornton's probably done after this year. Pavelski's 33. Couture's 30. Vlasic's 33, I think. Burns is 32. So if you sign seven, eight years, you're going to be turning our roster over without them. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know what's the best bet for him. It's kind of like a JT scenario where you can punch your ticket anywhere. Like It's not like people are going to be like, oh, yeah, it's, it's Eric Carlson. We're, sorry, we're not taking your <laughs> phone call. So, I mean, anywhere in the league he can go. So, I think it's just one of those things as to, I mean, when you go from Ottawa to San Jose, you get the nice, beautiful West Coast. You get some warm weather. I mean, it's just, I mean, he doesn't have to worry about money. I mean, but yeah, I mean, I think he could just punch his ticket anywhere. I remember uh, last year for the All-Star game, there was him in a, Headman down in Tampa going out to, uh, yeah. what the hell is that, Pirate Potty? Scriptorilla or whatever the fuck it's called down there? Oh, uh, Gasparilla. Gasparilla, yeah. So they were yeah. down there dressed as pirates having a ball. And, I mean, two big Swedes on the end. I mean, it, it, and the other thing, too, it seems like if any team can get someone to go there, it's Tampa. I, I mean, can they even afford him at this point? Well, now with Stevie Y gone, who knows? Like, I feel like Stevie Y was like a magician, and he'd be like, "And you're worth twelve a year, and we're going to pay you eight. And everyone's like, "Okay, sure, yeah, game <laughs> on." So, I mean, no, he is he is really close with Hanky. Rangers have a lot of money coming off the books this off past off season. Next year, need a top pair defenseman. And speaking of Hanky, from a Rangers standpoint, how many more years? Like, legitimate years do you think he has left? Like, legitimate meaning one of the top goalies in the league or being, like, a good enough starter to win a cup with? Well, crap, when you break it down like that, I guess both. (laughs) Uh, He's not top three anymore. Uh, As painful as that is to say it, uh, Lundqvist is my boy. He's... Last season he had... I know the Rangers were terrible, and then when they sold off everybody... Their defense was just a bunch of young kids, and he faced the Rangers. Gave up the most shots in the league, uh, I think, at least top two. Um, but he had over ten games where his save percentage was eight fifty or lower, and in his career, the most he ever had in a season before that was four. So he's turning thirty seven or just turned thirty seven. He's good enough, and he knows how to win where he can pull stuff like out of his ass. But he's more of like the 1A type goalie now, I feel like, in the NHL, and not like the franchise workhorse where you can count on him for like 60-65 and then run him into the playoff, down the playoffs. Uh, but he's still good enough. Like If he went to a contender, if he was like moved to, uh, like let's say St. Louis, because I don't think Jake Allen is actually the answer there, they would have won a cup. But he can't will the Rangers 
to the playoffs like he did every other year. And, I mean, do you think part of that's age, or do you think a part of that's kind of, like you said, he has a not-as-good decor around him and things like that? I don't know. I feel like so many injuries that he had has affected him a little bit, but he trains so well, and he's in such great shape that I don't know if it's... I feel like it would be more about the team around him than anything having to do with his age. But that right there shows the difference because for the first 10 years of his career, it didn't matter who was around him. You have Lundqvist and goal, you're going to make the playoffs and make a run. Now he's more dependent on, we got to put a strong defensive scheme in front of him to get the most out of him. Well, since we're on the Rangers, might as well talk about it too. What do you think of Quinney as the head coach? I mean, I'm a fan of anybody that has baby blue eyes because... Oh, handsome prick. (laughs) So him and Lundqvist uh, went to Shattenkirk's wedding together this offseason, and Shattenkirk refused to take a photo with them because he wasn't going to get overshadowed at his own wedding. (laughs) Unfortunately for Shatty, the whole hair situation, I mean, I I, I fail for him, I understand. But um, no, I mean, uh, talk about two two studs right there. Uh, (laughs) Another question, too, I, I was thinking about it the other day was, so now with Quinney being hired, in the past couple of years, this is now the third college coach that got hired at the NHL level. Do you think we're going to see a bigger jump from college guys going forward? And I only say that because it seems like the league's getting so much younger that, I mean, these college guys have experience with these young guys. Is that kind of, do you think that's kind of a point of emphasis? Or That wasn't the Rangers. That was exactly what the reason why they hired Quinn, they said, was uh, they're rebuilding, they're moving towards a younger roster. They're going to have guys like Anderson and Sheetal on a roster this year. So they wanted somebody that could communicate with the young guys as well as veterans. And that was the, one of the key selling points uh, for Quinn. In terms of if we're going to see that more around a league, uh, I mean, Montgomery with Dallas is like an interesting situation because they're not really that young of a team. They're more of a, we're going to make a run for it now. But I think that will depend on how these guys do, like Quinn and Montgomery, because they were the cream of the crop. These are the two best college coaches that were supposedly ready to move to the NHL. If they do well, it's going to open up the door for other people. It's like the Hideo Nomo coming over from Japan. If he tanked, no other team was going to sign Japanese pitchers. So, I mean, we'll see. I think the NHL has started moving away from retreads. Uh, instead of hiring like Pat Burns over and over again, Hitchcock over and over again, guys like that. But I think there's at this point they would still be more comfortable hiring somebody like Sheldon Key from the A before they immediately go to college ranks. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, just off schedule and things like that, it's definitely two different things for sure. I mean, you go from forty games to eighty. It's that's double your whole season right there. Yeah, um, and I mean it, and. Just speaking up here for like Hockey East and stuff, you want to talk about a travel schedule like, all right, well, we're playing UMass Lowell this weekend, boys. we got a home and home. we got a half-hour ride there on Friday night, and then we're here tomorrow. So, I mean, <laughs> travel and things like that, not really too bad. Granted, I mean, it's college. You, you get the same post-game meal every night, chicken, pasta, and ziti, and enjoy yep. it, you know? So, uh, 
go to Uno's, get some split an appetizer. <laughs> oh, sure. yeah, yeah. You want to take me out on a date, Penny? I'm there. I, I was always a sucker for a beer and a uh, potato skin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hope so because that would probably mean that Quinn was the right hire for the Rangers and that will open the door for more coaches. I just feel bad for guys like Roy who have been in the A. Like, it might have been by choice at some point, but he never really got the chance to move up to San Jose either as a head coach or, like, get recommended out of, uh, like, Worcester and stuff. So I kind of wonder what he might be thinking now, seeing all these young guys who have no NHL experience or AHL experience getting these calls. And he's like, you know, I'm all-time winning as a coach in AHL history here. would appreciate something. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a good point, too, as to, like, which crop do you go to when, you know, there's so many choices coaching-wise, whether you have your own AHL coach, whether you give it to one of your assistants. Like, I I wonder what is the final ultimate decision as to which way you lean. Because, I mean, when it comes to certain teams, they're never going to change their systems. You know, like, San Jose is still strictly a possession team, entry team. You come over the blue line, you contain possession, and, you know, you just go crazy in the zone. It's not like the old school NHL, hey, just dump and chase it at the blue line. So there's a whole bunch of other things that I'm sure go into it. I mean, clearly now looks. I mean, when when you hire Quinny like that, I mean, (laughs) you got to have a head full of lettuce and baby blue eyes. But um, no, as for Roy, I I agree with you. I mean, you want to talk about a whole knowledge pool of years of experience. I mean, the guy has it. At the same time, too, I remember when they hired DeBoer, he didn't even get an interview for the head coaching job, and I think he seemed happy about it because he was like, Roy's old school, man, like cowboy <laughs> Roy. Like Roy was the man. I loved hanging out with Roy, like just great stories, good guy. And um, I remember one of the things he was talking about in an interview was like, these guys always have to be like dressed to a T, suits here, suits there. He's like, I go with suits to the game. He's like, that's about it. Like, you know, he's off in Montana in the summers just having a ball. He, he didn't even get electricity in the cabin until a couple of years ago. So it, it shows how off the radar he wants to be. And, I mean, they say, you know, as long as you enjoy what you're doing, you don't really work. And, I mean, Roy's yeah. just been killing it for years. So maybe it's better off that way, I guess. At this point, he's probably just, like, over it. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm sure he'd take a uh, a plane ride over a bus ride any day. <laughs> <laughs> one of these years. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. What else we got uh, on the uh, docket over here? The Max Pacioretty trade, uh, another move out of your division uh, to the West Coast. What do you think about the fit with Vegas? Uh, looks like he's going to end up playing on the line with Paul Statsny, uh, replacing, hopefully replacing James Neal's production. And... Why do you think Montreal can make it work with Pacioretty? I feel like Montreal is one of those places where once as they turn on you, there's no coming back. Like uh-huh. you're at the bridge and they're pushing you off. And talk about like a big fuck you too. Like instantly gets traded out to Vegas and then he signs long term. Like yeah, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna hang out here for a while. And it's not like it's a cap issue because I mean Montreal has plenty of cap. Yeah. Uh, outside of Shea Weber, no one's really making Boku bucks up there. But, um, no, I mean, I almost feel bad for Patch, too, because he almost seemed to be, like, the scapegoat. I mean, mm-hmm. has the last name, but he doesn't speak French. So, I mean, already on the outs up there. Exactly. How it, can you be a captain if you don't speak French? Dude, and, and 
talk about like shame on them for putting themselves in that corner in the sense of to be a head coach in Montreal, you need to speak French. Like if you want the best coach for your team, doesn't mm-hmm. matter if he should speak French, this, that, the other thing. Like I understand the market. I get that. I'm not stupid. I'm not oblivious. I get it. But at the same point, like you guys want to limit yourselves to what you can and can't get off a language barrier. Like they can speak English up there. They choose yeah. not to. So just yeah, with that, said, <laughs> yeah, you know, and like you, you go up there and you ask for directions and they tell you don't speak English. I'm like, really? <laughs> well, like, they hear your accent. They know where you're from. They're like, oh, screw this guy. <laughs> well, that could be it too. I'm not going to act like that's not it. But um, no, I mean, good for Patch. I ended up going somewhere he actually wants to be. He's going to play with Stastny. And I feel like this year, dude, like all, all the drop off he's had the last couple of years. I feel like him and Stassen are going to be a really good line, and they're going to put up a crap ton of points. And then it's going to be one of those things of, why couldn't it happen here? Well, when you turn on someone, you know, at the blink of an eye, these things happen. And when you feel unwelcome anymore, it's hard to keep showing up and playing your best. And he still produced. Like It wasn't like he cratered or anything. He was still one of the top goal scorers, which he'll finally be able to play with a playmaker like Stassen who can cover for him defensively a little bit. So... I wouldn't be surprised if he pops off like 35, 40 goals this year because uh, he was pretty much around 30 in Montreal, and that was he was playing ended up playing with like Placanic uh, all the time and the turtleneck himself. Yeah, him and Yashin, like, <laughs> God. but uh, he never had like a true center with him, like offensive center. Now he does, and he still was putting up nearly 30 a year in Montreal. So I can see a big year coming for him uh, with Vegas. I mean, as a Bruins fan, I, I, I have to say, too, I am extremely happy that he's on the Western Conference now. <laughs> <laughs> just throwing that out there. He was just always one of those guys that no matter what, you, like, you know, you got a lead 4-3 in the third and you see Patch at the top of the circle. And it's like you already know. You're like, motherfucker. I know he's going <laughs> to like he's gonna shoot a top shelf. Like, Tuke is going to be taking another one out of the net. <laughs> well, Montreal is another uh, team that – Go to the conference final against the Rangers, losing six, and then from that point on, they fire their coach. They trade Subban, uh, Subban. They trade Pacioretty. They bring in Domi, which was like another terrible trade that a Canadian team made this offseason uh, with Arizona. Weber's on the IR until at least January, December, January. All they got is Brendan Gallagher, Max Domi, and like. Carry Price. And if I'm Price, I'm like, what the hell, man? I'm like, I got to get the hell out of here. <laughs> well, well, with all the shit trades Bergevin's been making, I'm sure Price probably has said that to him. Hey, if you get the right off of me, dude, see ya. I'm out. Like, yeah. You can't blame him for not wanting to stick around. I'll, the last thing I'll say about Price is I was at the game when he fought Thomas at the Garden. Not a big deal. <laughs> that was one of the most exciting games I've ever been to in my life. Just and not even just because of the fights. Like that helped just being in the Boston crowd playing Montreal and then like all hell breaks loose like six times in that game. But I think the final score was like eight six or something like that or like eight four uh Bruins. Like it was the most incredible game to be at and then hearing the roar of the crowd as Thomas comes down and then him and Price are like, all right and he dropped the helmets. I was like, this is this is hockey right here. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, in your true That's Boston, uh, your true Boston form, how shit faced were you? Well, I mean, I had some assistance. All but right, I understandable, knew, understandable. 
I know I go into the, I never get too inebriated going into a Boston sporting event as a New York fan because I'm not sure, especially back then, if I would be able to control myself and talking shit to the fans and then realize there is no other Rangers fan in this arena. <laughs> I am screwed right now. It's and then it's me. a long run down to uh, North Station to get the hell out of there. <laughs> well, yeah, not to mention, too, that the trains are never running once the game's out, too. So you'd be there like, yeah, this is where I die. Yeah, I can feel it. <laughs> Uh, what else we got? What do you uh, think? Calgary, Carolina. Calgary, Carolina. Um, what is up with Dougie Hamilton to now be traded again? I think the, I mean, the, the personality he, thing, right? I'm assuming. I mean, I, I just don't think he must blend well with certain people or whatever it is. I mean, granted, I'm sure Carolina wanted to get rid of a uh, Hannafin before they actually had to pay him. I heard this new owner is extremely cheap, but, um, well, Dougie's making a pretty good coin, too, but he's more secure, I guess, long-term. Yeah, more secure long-term. I mean, Hannafin, I think they got a pretty good deal. Calgary, it was 4.9 or something for four or five yeah. years. So, I mean, I, I think that's pretty good for Noah, and he's going to be a great player, too. The kid can move, just fly up and down. The, and the locks, too, the locks that hang out of the helmet. <laughs> I mean, it, it could be my own jealousy, whatever. But <laughs> I think, I mean, Hamilton's a better all-around player and he can produce probably similar offense to Hannafin at least right now I don't think Hannafin is going to be a franchise defenseman I think he's going to be pretty good I think he's more in a like a better Jake Gardner mold than a franchise guy but after the trade happened the reports were that Hamilton wasn't fitting into the locker room because he's one of the highest paid players on the Flames he's one of their best players but he wasn't taking on that leadership role and so they he used was some cheap. story about the museum. He, he was cheap. He, he wouldn't take the kids out to dinner. Yeah, and then he like wouldn't. He didn't go to like you know, they were traveling. They're on a road, and the team decided to go to a museum together. And Dougie decided he didn't want to go, and he didn't realize why that was such a big deal. And the guys are like, you just go with your team. It's not about the museum. It's about you go with your team. And it, I think that was one of the stories they used to indicate how he just was kind of like off on his own and a lone wolf in that locker room. And after the crap year they just had where everybody thought they would be good, like get somebody who can probably do similar offense, bring in a top six forward uh, in <coughs> Lindholm, and then see if the chemistry changes. But Hamilton's better. I just – three teams – what is he, only 25 still? Yeah, I think uh, he's 25 now, yeah. It's crazy. I don't – I hope it works out in Carolina just because I'm like, I like Hamilton as a player, but I don't think Calgary got full. I think that was probably the best deal they would get, but it's still less than what I would have held out for if I was trading Hamilton. And then they added Furland on top of it. Well, Carolina got that Fox kid out of it too. I guess he's a pretty good D man. So we'll see how he pans out. But I mean, wasn't there another thing too with Dougie? Where I don't know if it was in Boston or when he first went to Calgary, he was throwing a fucking bitch fit because uh, they want he wanted yeah he wanted his brother to play with him. Like, dude, at this point in the league, like, hey, you know, I get it, family's family. You want the best for your people, but um, be happy you are getting some show, though. It's all right. <laughs> Let him go to the AHL. Like, you know, you can send him Western Union him some money, whatever it is. But it's like you're really gonna go to your GM and bitch that your brother should be on a team. Well. There's 30 other fucking teams that didn't pick him up, so there's probably a reason for it. And nothing against Freddie, because, I mean, I thought Freddie in the OHL was a great player. But, yeah, 
coming from I mean, a guy who's supposed to be a cornerstone defenseman, you're going to go cry because they didn't pick up your brother? Like, okay, shut the fuck up. See you later. Yeah, that, that probably didn't help him at all either. With the whole thing of his brother, and I, you're right with how he caused an issue about that. It was Calgary placed him on waivers um, to send him to the A. And he got upset at that because he felt it wasn't deserved and, like, that's my brother. I'm sorry, but if I'm in the NHL and I'm one of the best players in the league, this may be because I could care less about most of my siblings. <laughs> but if my brother got placed on waivers, I'd be like, dude, you should just be better. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, if you like won that face-off, you wouldn't have this issue. <laughs> But yeah, it's a weird all around. I hope it, Hamilton, this is like kind of a wake up call, and he turns around a little bit. But I think both teams will be improved this year. I think everybody's over overhyping Carolina a little too much, but uh, the Flames are going to be good as long as Smith stays healthy. They got James Neal in there now. They have uh, Hannafin to go on their D. They added Lindholm, so excited to see what they do this year. Yeah, no, I I was actually surprised last year too when um they had a really good decor. I thought they were gonna do a lot better, and then uh, you hear some people's predictions and they say they still don't have them in the playoffs. It's kind of like I think Calgary has a pretty good team, pretty young team. Johnny Hockey, uh, they got Monahan, they got Kachuk, they got um what was his name from the Islanders on the DN there? I, I forget. Oh. His name. Uh... Travis Hamanick. Hamanick. I love Hamanick back there. I think now they got Noah back there too. They got Giordano. I think I think they have like a really good team to build around. I mean, they have yeah. Smitty in that. Uh, let's see where it goes. I mean. I think they're in that, in their own division. I think you have San Jose and Vegas as like the clear top two teams. But I think they're in that second tier of like the Kings, uh, the Oilers. I think the Ducks are going to fall off a little bit this year. Arizona's probably going to be better and uh, be in that mix too, but I wouldn't be surprised if Carolina finished third in the division and made it to like the second round or something like that this year. Like It's a good roster as long as they have goaltending. Carolina or Calgary? Uh, Calgary. Oh, you scared? I heard Carolina. I was like, huh? I'm like... I don't even like I could out I outside of Justin Williams and now that because they got Dougie like I don't even <laughs> oh, know who's on that team. Yeah, it scared me for a oh, sec. I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, in yeah. the Metropolitan, <laughs> they're making the playoffs. Holy shit! I was like, wow. The Pittsburgh's gonna fall off. <laughs> <laughs> but um, last thing we have on here before we get to our local teams uh, is the Blues off season. They brought in, they traded for Ryan O'Reilly. They brought in Maroon. They brought back David Perron. Uh, they added that to uh, Tyler Bozak. They added that to Tarasenko, Steen, Swartz. Uh, their D is solid, um, and then they're hoping for Allen to take that next step. Are they a legit contender, or are they still in that same area where they've been the last few years of pretty good regular season, first-round exit, can't get over the hump? I'm with what you said earlier. I think Allen is their biggest question mark. I think if they could get a legitimate goaltender, I don't see why they wouldn't be able to make a run. But, yeah. I mean, because Bozak's penciled in, I think, is their, their third-line center. I mean, yep. I like Bozak. I think Bozak's a hell of a player. And, I mean, if you can be deep down the middle, that's a huge part of playoffs. And, granted, I know that we're talking 
beginning of the year here. There's injuries and a whole bunch of other stuff that come along with the season. But um, on paper, I think they have a chance. So we'll see as to how far they go. I think it's definitely going to be intriguing because that Central Division, man, is a fucking nightmare. Like Nashville, Winnipeg, Minnesota, like – definitely not the easiest division to play in by any means so we'll see and then you got the west too and so you got teams fighting for that wild card it's so i don't know man like outside of a couple of teams where you're like they're gonna be in the basement i think those wild card positions in the playoffs and seeing who makes it is definitely gonna be a tight race the west is gonna be really good this year um just in the central alone you have Nashville, Winnipeg, St. Louis, Dallas, Minnesota, Colorado, and Colorado as legit playoff contenders. Chicago, you never know. Like they can make a bounce back with the talent they have, or they can just continue their uh, downfall a little bit. The other division: San Jose, Vegas, Calgary, Edmonton, L.A., Anaheim, Arizona. You compare that to the East Eastern Conference in your division, the Atlantic. Half the division is already out, done before the puck even drops for the first game. Our division, it's like. The Islanders have nobody for the most part. The Devils didn't add anything to their team after having that surprise run, so they're not going to repeat that success. Then as Carolina and the Rangers sent a letter out to their fans saying, we're going to suck the next few years, bear with us. Yeah, XOXO. So, <laughs> yeah. Still like, buy the tickets. It's going to be dynamite. Yeah, so I mean, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I, like, I'm definitely intrigued to see how it all plays out. I mean, granted, I love hockey, but I, I, like you said, I mean, <laughs> The rosters are definitely there. People are, I don't know, hockey. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one thing, it's not on our little agenda here, but Chicago, I I know they're not, they don't have the depth that they used to have. I know Keith and Seabrook are in their decline years. Caves hasn't been the same the last like year and a half. I just have a hard time not picking them to like, just turn it around. They have too much, too many guys that have, have talent and have won too many basically Stanley Cups. They just sit there and go, okay, the run's over. We're just going to run out the clock until the contracts are off the books. Yeah, I don't know what to expect from them. It's one of those things because I didn't expect for them to just completely suck last year too. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, you got Taves and Kane, but Taves has kind of been on the downfall. I wonder if the concussions have kind of got – a hold of them a little bit that that can definitely be a big mental thing i mean patty kane and his hands should make anyone around him better just watching yeah. him stick handle gives me wood but um <laughs> no it's, it's just crazy to see everything around them so i don't yeah, know I feel like I, they, i'm gonna say still not in the playoffs this year they should be better if they're not remotely better is quenville gone do you blame Q or do you blame Bauman? Oh, I blame Bauman. And the owner even came out and said that he is expecting uh, a much better year. And if not, there'll be changes made. As like a, he was answering a question about like the offseason roster. But I don't know. If they're going to go get rid of the GM, I feel like Quinville would walk away. He's second in the league all time in wins, I feel, I think, after Scotty Bowman. He's won three cups. Uh, he's been successful. He can probably take a couple years off and then pull a Babcock and come back to whatever team he wants and write his own check. 
Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, Q would get a job anyway. So, like you said, it would just be as to his terms, whatever he wants to do. The other thing with the Blackhawks is I think it was just all the wear and tear. They went deep into the playoffs, conference finals, and cups like six years in a row. So all the extra wear and tear of playoff hockey probably got to Taves and Kane and Crawford and all those guys. Yeah, I mean, they were in the thick of it every year, dude. I mean, you had an extra 20, 30 games at the end of a season between preseason, postseason, and everything else. Yeah, like, Olympics. yeah, training time on the on the other end, cup parties. You know, I'm sure they yeah. all take <laughs> years off of your life. <laughs> all right, so last little bit we have is uh, off-season reviews of the Bruins and the Rangers. Uh, Kev, you can go first talking about your bees since they're actually expected to not be an abomination this year like my boys. Um, everyone around here says they expect them to be better. I don't know as to how true or untrue it is in the sense of, yes, you get a more experienced Charlie McAvoy. Um, some of the younger kids have gotten more playing time. Like Jake DeBrusque, I think is a hell of a player, but last thing I want is him coming in and getting like a sophomore slump, you know, getting more attention. People are kind of beating up on him a little bit. Um, the third line center role, I guess they finally said uh, Trent Frederick beat out for his back of Carlson for it today, which was, I don't want to say interesting because I've always been high on Frederick. I, I thought he was a great player and I was never really too high on JFK. Like when they brought him out of school, well, no, they brought him out of school a year early. Yeah. He played one game. They burnt the whole year of his entry level and then was in Providence all last year. And it's kind of like, Don, I, I get what you're trying to do and you want to promote, you know, the kids coming up and playing and so on and so forth. But it's like you burnt the year on this kid's entry level and he didn't even play in the NHL the next year. Yeah. So on that end, it's kind of downfall. Um, Crazy for me to say too, but Zdeno Chara still getting it done after all these years. And I've never been a big Chara guy. Um, I hated that when he first came here, they gave him the C right off the get-go. That drove me fucking Ape shit. Like, I, I hate that. No one should ever go to a team and immediately be the captain, ever. I, I hate that. You got to go through. You got to. Yeah, that drove me crazy. <laughs> Fucking nuts. But, um, no, I'm just. I'm interested to see how it plays out. I know there was a whole lot of rumors this year about uh, Tory Krug being moved. Um, I mean, he he's going to make a hell of a payday once this deal's up, too. I mean, the kid on the power yeah. play is phenomenal, just right up the wing. So, I mean, if you ever need someone to jump up in the wing, too, you can do all of it. So I will never not have, like, Nam-style flashbacks whenever I hear the name Tory Krug from that playoff series we had against you guys, <laughs> and he came out of nowhere and was just ripping power play goals from the blue line against us. I'm like, who the hell is this midget piece of crap who is just destroying us right now? Like, yeah. somebody put him into the end boards, please. Yeah, like, all, God. All you could see was a thing of hair go by. You're like, what the <laughs> fuck? No, um, outside of that, I mean – your best players are going to be your best players, Bergeron, Pasternak, Marchand. I mean, for $19 million for the three of them, I'd say that's probably the best bargain in hockey. Marchand's just got to stop with his antics, man. Just play hockey. Like, you're you're good enough to player to just be famous for being good at hockey. You don't need to try and do any of this side antics stuff and cheap shots. Like, just take away the cheap shots, like, that's all you need to do. You can be an instigator all you want, but don't undercut guys at the knees. Don't be dropping elbows uh, to the side of their heads. Like he's had his own injuries, so I'm just confused about why he does it to others. 
No, I think that's a big thing too. I'm sure management's talked to him about it where, like you said, I mean, he's put, uh, I think he put 35 away last year. It was almost 40 goals. So, I mean, obviously you're kind of turning the page and being a new player. So with that, I mean, obviously you can chirp guys between the whistle, do whatever it is that you do, but stay the fuck out of the box. Like you're a lot more useful to us when you're not sitting down for two minutes. What do you think is the Bruins' potential Achilles heel for the to start the year? I'd say a big thing is um, we still got some injuries that had happened last year that you got to hope guys are healthy for. Um, Krug played in his first preseason game last night. They still haven't said if he's a green light for the regular season yet. Carlo had that was a broken ankle, broken foot last year right at the end of the year, so that's another thing that how is he going to be on it? I mean, he's a big boy, so yeah, that's another big thing. Um, as for me, knowing the season that Tuca had last year, you cannot have Tuca Rask be that bad. And for the money that you pay him, he can't be that bad. I understand that he gets a lot of shit and he's gotten a lot of shit for years, but um, he he is a very good goaltender. He's a decent goaltender. I'm not going to play the Team Tuca, Team Tim Thomas, fucking 2011, because, <laughs> you know, we're way past that now. But Remember when people used to say Tuca was better than Hank? That was that was a good, like, three weeks. <laughs> yeah, because that, that's all it was, was three weeks. <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, he's definitely been a really good goaltender for us. Last year, I'm sure he would like to wipe the slate clean. But outside of that, I think he just needs to come up face pucks. They end up getting Halak as the backup. And I think that's another thing, too, where if Tuka does not play up to potential, I think Butchie has to put Halak in there like they did with Hudobin last year. The, yeah. I mean, partially wake-up call, partially whatever you want to call it. But, yeah, I definitely think that the leash has to be short just so mentally he doesn't, you know, ease. I feel like that could be a problem because if Tuga doesn't play well and you guys turn to Halak, Halak was not good with the Islanders like the last year, year and a half. So if you guys run into an issue with Tuka. And you guys are going to start relying on a, like a 50-50 split or even just playing Halak more. Um, that might end up being a problem for you guys as you move into the deadline, maybe making a move for a 1A goalie to split with Tuke. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, Dawn is never really, uh, deadline-wise, it's never really been anything, well, outside of last year, the whole Nashdale. But, I mean, usually yeah. we've never been a big deadline team. It's usually like one depth guy or something like that, one depth defenseman, one depth forward. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, I wonder as to how long into the season, like you said, if you're into an issue that you deal with it. I mean, something like that. If if you have the team around it, do you even wait till the deadline? I mean, if, if it's that big of an issue, I think you pull the trigger sooner and, you know, pot your ways. Yeah. And speaking of the Nash trade, thank you very much for Ryan Lindgren. <laughs> yeah, Lindgren, good player. Um, I hope you enjoy Spoons, man. I loved watching Spooner play. Just the way he runs the half wall on a power play is phenomenal. Like, legit, top yeah. of the circle. He, he kind of, well, not as good, obviously. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Mark Savard with, you know, the cross-ice passes that just come flying out of nowhere. But, um You'll love McQuaid, too. It's been good for us. They actually gave him a nickname as like a joke of the great one because in his first 17 games at the Rangers to end the year, he had like 23 points. And most of them were on assists like Gretzky used to pull off. But 
He's been on the first power play unit in the preseason for the Rangers, and they're actually they've scored on twenty one out of twenty eight power plays this preseason. So that's a like, solid it's, number. It's, yeah, it's like a ridiculous number. And even if he's not getting any like primaries, the fact that you'll see on tape when you watch, they have to respect him, and that opens up the top of the slot for advantage ad for his one time with the righty shot, and it's just he rips it every single time. So we'll see if that translates. But I was gonna say, who knows? Maybe just having that, you guys just crank power play goals and sneak out all <laughs> these wins, and here we go, back in the playoffs, boys. <laughs> Hank doesn't have to make any saves because we're on a power play all the time. <laughs> that, that's it. Just dive. Just start diving around. You'll be fine. Um, but yeah, speaking about the Rangers, uh, obviously in the rebuilds, it was interesting because they didn't make any other sell uh, sell offs this offseason. They kept Zuccarello. They kept Hayes. Uh, I was surprised they brought back uh, all three of VC Spooner and. Uh, Vlad, um, but they brought all those guys back. It's basically the same team that AV had last year, just under Quinn. And I think just they're going to see what they have in terms of some of the older guys, some of the older veterans, uh, potentially move those guys. They're trying to mix in some of the younger guys. They actually sent down Anderson to Hartford to start the year. He didn't make the team. <laughs> um, yeah, even though he had one of the best camps among forwards, uh, Quinn said two days ago, the best. I want the best nine forwards playing in my top nine, regardless of position. So if uh, like Anderson or Hayes had to play out of position on a wing, that's fine because I just want the best nine guys. But Anderson gets sent down to the A of the start of the year, and VC's going to be in the top six. And VC's done absolutely nothing to warrant a top six role outside of he scored 17 last year in garbage time, and he's another hockey East guy, you know? So we'll see how long that lasts, but it's basically the same team. The Rangers aren't going to crater like everybody thinks. They're not going to be terrible. They're not going to finish in the lottery. I wouldn't be surprised if they push Philly, a team like Philly, for a playoff spot. They won't make it, but they're definitely not going to be terrible unless they start selling everybody off again at the deadline, and even then it's only going to be Hayes, Zuccarello, Brendan Smith, if he shows up, not fat, um, and Lundqvist. Other than that, it's like, what else are you going to trade? What do you think of uh, Kreider for this year? Ooh, Kreider's going to have a big year. If you're playing fantasy hockey, you got to pick this boy up. He had that uh, blood, clot, blood clot condition last year, and he lost about 25 pounds because of it. Um but he kept that weight because he actually was able to keep his strength but be quicker. And you already know Crowder's anyway along the walls. Um, and this preseason, he's looked like an absolute beast. He's down to like 225, 230 instead of 250, 255, which he used to play at. But he's actually has more muscle mass than he did beforehand. And he's just as quick. Um He's going to get top-line minutes. He's on a first power play unit. Him, Zibanejad, and Buchnevich have good chemistry together. I think he'll have a big year. I think he'll finally crack the 30-goal mark, um, possibly even 35. Uh, and he's signed long-term, at least for the Rangers. So he's he'll probably be named the next captain, to be honest, at some point, either this year or next. 
Yeah, I've always liked Kreider. I know bias because he grew up here, but um, he <laughs> yeah, he has one of like the best one-two strides and gone. Just like yep. explosiveness is crazy, and I just like watching him just going through the middle at MSG, seeing the guy come over the uh, logo, and it's like <laughs> he is flying right now. Get the headman pass from Zuccarello, cut it, split to D, coming on a breakaway, and do his backhand roof. And then just celebrate in that corner where that Zamboni comes out. I love it. Um, the other thing about Kreider is it was the same thing with JT Miller and Buchnevich. They had problems with AV in terms of, especially Buchnevich and Miller. They were very talented, but they were young guys. One mistake, and they were glued to the bench. And it made them afraid to try and do anything more risky or creative, and that made the Rangers more dull and easily defended against, and then that limited the Rangers' offense. And then A.V. would always question, I don't know why we're not producing more, like we have the talent. Quinn comes in, he learns to speak Russian to be able to speak to Buchnevich better. He goes to Sweden to see Zibanejad. He trained with Kreider in the offseason, and all three of them are like, this is one of the best coaches in terms of communication I've ever been a part of. So I'm excited to see guys who might have been underperforming under AV maybe even take it up a little bit more just because the reins are off a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see how good of a job Quinn does at the next level with all these young guys. I'm hoping it can, you know, correlate between BU and up at the ranges i think it would be great great for the game and i mean like you said i mean for him to just come in and say hey i'm booking a plane to sweden i'm gonna go see in the off season just to whether it's introduce yourself or you know show him your new playbook whatever it is it's just nice to have that communication yeah. with the coach so as an outsider what do you think the rangers will do this year in terms of either roster deconstruction or just overall really think they'll finish in the division um roster deconstruction i i think it just depends on how the season's going like i think it's going to depend on if if you guys are kind of doing par for the course i think he's going to kind of keep guys around and like you said you know the deadline he might get rid of those guys that he's not going to have next year or i mean if things are going good and the young kids are clicking and they're playing I don't think you touch anything. You just kind of let it run its course and see what happens. What happens. <laughs> yeah, you know, so. I don't know. I mean, right. like you said, I think you guys are going to be one of those teams that's on the outside looking in, but just on the outside. Like, it's going to be close. And like you said, you're going to push, like, Philly or somebody into that last spot, but they're going to have to earn it. It's not just going to be a a getaway for that last wild card spot. Yeah, I agree. Probably finish ninth or 10th, which is a lot better than where – Guys on NHL.com and ESPN and the Athletic ranking the Rangers, it's like out of 31 teams are ranking them at like 29th. Like there are no way they're going to be that terrible with the roster that they have. But, no, I mean, I think it's kind of like what we did a couple of years ago with you're not calling it a rebuild, but you're doing it on the fly, whatever it is. So yeah. it's just, you know, introducing the young guys, getting them some minutes, and hopefully they can adjust to the NHL game as opposed to the AHL or the Swedish game or whatever fucking league they're playing in. And, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I just think that's the biggest thing is the jump. Cause I mean, I remember watching guys in the AHL and seeing them skate and I'd be like, wow, these guys are flying. And then you talk to some of the guys that be like, I'm still, you know, half a step too slow for the NHL. And you're like, what? 
Like, dude, yeah. you just, like you did. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know, man. We'll we'll, uh, we'll see how everything plays out. I I mean, I think I've told you this story before, but when I was a freshman in high school, my brother uh, got tickets somehow to go to a Rangers uh, skate slash charity auction around Christmas time. I'm sorry. I'll be more PC around the holidays. Uh, a couple <laughs> years back when I was in high school, and the, some of the Rangers were skating. They were signing autographs and things. And Dale Purinton, I don't know if you remember him on the Rangers. Um, uh, I don't know. That that's like a <laughs> that's like a Chuck Kobasu name. You're like you know, he's he's been to 27 different teams, but I don't know if you know him <laughs> or not. But he was there, and he was like skating and talking to people, and you know, being a 14 year old hockey player who would win fastest skater competitions. I was like, this guy's a fighter. He's like one of the worst defensemen on a team. And I challenged him to a race. I was like, I bet you I can beat you to the other end of this rink. And he was like, yeah, really? He's like, here, I'll even do you one better. I'll skate backwards. And I was like, all right, cool. He blew me out of the water. Just and I was the fast, I won fastest skater competitions. And the biggest goon who ha- skated like he was in cement skated backwards and destroyed me. And from that point forward, I was like, if he's the worst skater on the team, like, holy crap. <laughs> know who, who would always surprise me when we go to Bruins practices as to how good he actually was? Sean Thornton, dude. Thornty had these hands. They'd be doing one-on-ones <laughs> from the red line where the uh, net is coming straight out one-on-one versus D. Yeah. And he would come out of the corner. He would pop out little shimmy shake, pop in, <laughs> toe drag, and snipe. I was like, who the fuck just did that? And you know Jay. Jay's there, and he's like, yo, dog, that was Thornton. And I'm like, shut up, <laughs> like, like, shut up Jay. Like, don't be stupid. And I'm like, looking, I'm like, oh, no, he was serious. Like, th- like I was just watching him in these one-on-ones and the handles and the moves, and I was like, this is our fourth-line goon, but legitimately yeah. could probably play, you know, third, second-line role if we needed him to. And yeah, then, not exactly. to mention, too, that uh, shootout goal. Not the shootout goal. It was a, a penalty shot goal he ended up getting. It was filthy. I think it was Pavlich when he <laughs> went backhand roof. It was like, oh. Well, nothing will top that. Merrick Malik, first year with the shootout between a legs roof job on Kolzig against the Capitals back in the day. What was that, like the 87th round that day? I think it was like the 27th <laughs> round. And Malik comes up and everyone's like, all right, well, this isn't going to be a goal. And he just pulls that out of his ass and roofs it. And JD, John Davidson, just lost it. He's like, okay, now I've seen everything. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I've rambled on about the Rangers enough. Uh, unless you have anything you wanted to cover. Oh, the Whalers. The Whalers jersey. Yeah, let's discuss that real quick. Cool. Well, that'll be our end oh right my here. God. Are those incredible or what? Dude. I was like just going through Facebook and I see this thing pop and and they've been talking about it for years. So I thought at first it was like fuck and then I see the Adidas tag on there and I'm like no way. <laughs> Adidas outside of I'd say the Winnipeg third jersey has absolutely killed these jerseys that they've come out with the the yeah. alternates, the third string jerseys, whatever you want to call them. All these have been like top notch and they they've done a like phenomenal job. Oh, do the, the Canucks uh, original, the black with the actual Canuck and the yellow coming the, down? Like, the Pablo Bore one, man. <laughs> oh, dude. You still remember that move he pulled? Was it an MSG when he went to his, brought it back to his foot, then kicked it forward yep. and sniped it? Holy shit. The rocket. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that jersey, 
I mean, it was always a classic jersey. I'm glad they made it a little, touched it up, made it a little bit more modern. But I'm just happy that Carolina didn't add any black or red to that thing. Like that, when I woke up and I saw uh, Elliot Freeman tweeted, he's like, "Today's going to be a whale of a day." I'm like, "Well," I was like, "Oh, they're doing something with the whalers." Okay, I was like, "Oh God, please don't put red or black on it and destroy that thing." And, and like you said, when I first saw it, I was like. I want to buy one, like, right now. I don't care about the whalers. I've never been one of those, like, save the whale type of people, bring back the whale, but that is one delicious-looking jersey. <laughs> yeah, the, the jersey's awesome. And, I mean, not to mention, too, um, just the arena real quick. I used to love playing at the XL Center. Like, when we had games there, I used to think it was oh, awesome. Yeah, I'd be in downtown Hartford, and we'd pull up, and then the bus would back all the way down this tunnel. Like, it was so creepy. Like, you know, big left-hand hair churn, and then you come all the way back, and you straighten <laughs> out. But it used to be awesome that the bus would legitimately be right outside the locker room. Like, legit, loading stuff was perfect. Locker <laughs> room there, boom, done, awesome. So, um, big shout-out to the people of Hartford. I mean, a lot of turnaround with what's going on and a whole lot of rumors of weren't they going to do the whole XL center over in hopes of bringing a team back or rumors? I don't know, whatever it was. I know UConn's playing there a lot. So there were rumors. The mayor said that they would renovate the arena to make it more modern to bring the NHL team back. Um, but the NHL, their first priority was to get to 32 and they're doing that with Seattle. Um, and then you know Batman hates relocating teams, which is, would be Harford's only hope. But to be honest, the city's not big enough. You're in between New York and Boston. Like that's the whole reason why the team left to begin with. If a team's going to relocate, they're probably going to end up going to Quebec to start with because Seattle has their team. They're not going to put a second team in Toronto. I don't. I don't feel like. Um, but I can talk an entire episode about NHL relocation and new franchises. That's like. One of my pet projects that I love following up on. Oh, well, we'll save that for uh, the All Star <laughs> break then, when we got nothing to talk about. But uh, yeah, I mean, next episode, uh, talk about some more training camp storylines. Uh, talk more about the Bruins and Rangers, make it a little bit more team specific, uh, most likely, and start our division previews. We can start with your boys in the Atlantic, uh, already guaranteed a playoff spot because half yeah, your teams are tanking. Um, yeah, don't talk that, about the the best layup of the year. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, unless you want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Kevin, I think we're good for this. Yeah, sponsors. We're we're gonna work on those. Um, <laughs> we're getting there. This was a first time thing. We'll see how it works out. So you know, if you want to sponsor, you know, we might give you a freebie. You know, for the first one. But, yeah. But that'll be all. But uh, we'll work on. It. I know a couple of people that might want to jump on board because you know. High-end people are definitely going to be listening to this, so we're definitely going to get some people some uh, some new business, that's for sure. Well, I'm just saying to anybody who's listening and interested in sponsorships, Kevin offered a freebie. He gives amazing freebies, just to let you guys know. I give, I give, <laughs> I give great phone. <laughs> but, all right. What's out of that? Yeah, uh, episode one in the books, and uh, we look forward to hearing everybody soon. We'll see you.